opportunity uh, to respond uh, as, we, as we wrap up and, and opportunity for you to respond, um, to receive and to hear the words, be a disciple who makes disciples and, and is willing to follow where Jesus leads. That's it. That's, that's the end of the series. That's the end of the sermon. Um, but I feel like we need to do a little bit of work because maybe up to this point things have been okay, uh, but now the, the onus is on you. It's on us as the church to hear the call and to be willing to live into it. Um, John, John Stott says that, that to, to, to not hear this, to not live into this call is, is disobedience, and, and that's not an area where we want to be disobedient. Right, because of the faithfulness of those who have gone before us, those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus can say that because of the obedience of someone else at some point to live into the call to go and make disciples. And if you are here this morning and you're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm not uh, a follower of Jesus, then, then I hope that what you hear is an invitation um, to life uh, with Jesus, an invitation to life unlike any life you have ever known, an invitation in which you hear that you are loved, you are known by God. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter what you have done. Jesus knows it. Jesus loves you. And Jesus gave his life for you so that you might know life abundantly. So if, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then, then hear those words because that is the invitation um, to you. It's the invitation to all of us. Uh, let's begin by reading once more uh, together from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. If you have your Bible, you can open it. It is printed on the front of your worship uh, bulletin there. So if you would, in honor of the reading of God's Word, in honor of the proclaiming of God's Word, because we're going to read this together out loud, uh, if you would, stand. Let's hear these words once again. Uh, read with me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I will tell you, and maybe some of you were in the sanctuary service earlier, I will tell you that uh, Pastor Ed started that service by giving a pop quiz. Uh, I'm not going to do that because I hated pop quizzes. But the reason that, that he did it is because we, we have now, this is week 11 in, in our series uh, on, on the Great Commission. And, and if you have been with us uh, for the past 10 weeks, if you are here uh, this Sunday, then I hope and pray one, that this passage is familiar to you, and that as we are reading it, you are hearing things that God has spoken to us through this word over the past 10 weeks, and, and, and knowing, too, that, that we didn't just stay here, we flipped back to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and looked at Matthew 7 when we considered, uh, you know, where Jesus says, go and teach them all of the things that I have taught you, go and train them in the way of life, uh, as, as the message uh, translation says, what does it mean to be a disciple? 
You know, so week one, we just considered what, what does it mean to, to live into this call? What is this great commission? And we looked at that uh, Dallas Willard quote, this, this idea that many people go their entire lives um, considering themselves Christians without ever truly being disciples. And, and we in, in the West, that is the church in the U.S., we are, we are excellent at that. We are excellent at, at living a cultural uh, Christianity in which it is one of many things that we give our time to, many things that we participate in without ever allowing it to be the thing that, that defines us and the thing that drives our lives, right? And, and our, our hope in this entire series has been that you hear these words from Jesus, this moment that Matthew captures at, at following Jesus' resurrection, this moment that Matthew captures, this instruction that Jesus gives to the 11 who are gathered there with him, that you hear these with fresh ears and that you consider for your own life, what does it mean for me to be a disciple? Am I, am I really a disciple or am I just someone who attends church? And, and if you're someone who thinks, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 10 years, are you a 10-year-old follower of Jesus or are you um, just repeating? year one over and over and over again for for 10 years running are you growing in your faith are you growing in your love of who uh for jesus are you growing in your understanding and your willingness not to just know jesus as your savior but also to know him as the lord of your life because that's the thing that jesus really by the holy spirit deals with us on and and we can we can be open to that and we can open uh this word and and we can read the words that were recorded, that were given by the Holy Spirit to the hands that, that, that wrote it. We can hear that word and we can invite the Lord to work on our hearts and work in our lives as a result of that. Or we can say, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to just continue to compartmentalize my faith and what happens on Sunday has no bearing on Monday. But if we were to truly live into this call to go and make disciples... If we go into Monday, if we go into tomorrow, considering the one who is on the throne, considering the one to whom we raise our voices, considering the one who gave his life so that we might know life, then Monday starts to look a lot different. Whether you are a teacher, whether you are a student, whether you are a parent whose life is consumed with being a parent, whether you own a company, whether you wait tables, whether you bag groceries, it doesn't matter. If we are truly willing to allow the goodness, the fact that Jesus is not only Savior, belongs to be Lord in our lives, and we're willing to take this call seriously to go and make disciples, it changes everything. Piper and I were talking yesterday, my wife and I, if we... Uh, Right now, in this, like, this moment, this like, precise season in our lives, and, and I don't mean like season over the span of you know, our entire marriage, but right now in this moment, if we were to write a book, the title of that book would probably be Leaves and Laundry. And, and it just captures like, what we feel like our focus is right now. Yesterday, I, I, I blew three, and like a tarp the size of this rug up here that, that, that this platform is standing on, three, four tarpfuls of leaves and dragged them down to my backyard. Friends, that was half of my front yard. Half of it. I haven't even touched the other half of the front yard, not to mention the backyard, which looks like a forest at this point. And, and Piper's like, yeah, that's fine. You know what I do every day? Laundry. 
You, you go do your leaves, because when the leaves are done, they're done. Guess what I do every day? Laundry. Because we are in the thick of like sports and activity season, and clothes get washed a lot at our house. And for you, it might not be leaves and laundry, and if you want it to be leaves and laundry, please come to our house. We would love to have you. We have a place for you, and good, holy work for you to give yourself to. There is something for all of us that we wrestle with when we hear this call. And, and if you have you know, pulled up this, um, listened to the podcast of, of this series, if you've seen, seen any of the graphics for it, you know that kind of our subtitle for it is A Life of Adventure. And, and really, that, that's what life of li- living into and answering this call to go and make disciples is. It's, it is meant to be a life of adventure where every moment, every moment is an opportunity to leverage for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. The question is, do we view life that way or do we find ourselves just kind of stuck in this rut of like the day in and day out and what seems like drudgery? And it's why we, we, we tend to look uh, so forward to Sundays to be reminded and the veil is kind of lifted and we realize like there is a living God and, and, it, and he is worthy of our worship. And, and, I, and I do want to say yes to, to more of what he has for me and I do want to commit my life to this. And, and, and we might leave here even really just excited and really charged up and then we go into Monday and into Tuesday and, and Wednesday and all of that just feels very mundane and, and we're used to that and it just feels like we kind of get sucked back into this kind of viewing the world through like this lens of is, is this all there is? Right? And, and that's why we, we grab for things and reach for things that we think will excite us and will fulfill us. And so many of the things that we reach for, that we grab for, are ultimately, um, one, they're very costly. And, and I don't mean financially, although sometimes that's true, but they're, they're very costly in terms of our hearts and our lives. But also, they, they just kind of numb us to the reality of the presence and work of, of, of God around us and, and they just leave us feeling like we what is you know asking this question like what is the what is the purpose of life like what am I what am I doing and then the number of people that I have conversations with particularly young people who are like I'm just trying to figure out what the what look the God's what God's call is on my life I just want to know what the Lord has for me like what is the Lord's call on my life I'm here to tell you regardless of what age you are if if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is the call to go and make disciples. Like that, that's it. That is the call that God has on your life. Now, it's a question of what that looks like specifically in your life, in your context, like how you live that out. That is certainly something to, to wrestle with, to ask um, God for, for a vision or a picture of. But if we believe in the authority of Jesus, if, if we believe in this call that he has on our lives, if we're willing to kind of trace our story, and I'm going to just give you a few snapshots of my own this morning and help us maybe understand this call to make disciples and see that it's something that doesn't have to be frightening to us, then, then we, it, it changes the lens through which we, we look at even leaves and laundry, right? It changes even the mundane, even that that seems like this has no 
purpose. And all of a sudden, that thing that feels like it has no purpose because it's drudgery, because we, we do it day in and day out. I'm not saying being a parent is drudgery. Please uh, don't hear me say that, Bailey, or any of my other kids who are in here. We love you, and y'all are a great adventure, right? The life with the circus is there's nothing dull about it. But it's easy to just, you know, wake up and feel like, oh, it's, it's another Monday, and we know what happens on Mondays, and we just, you know, we do that day in and day out. But, but to view even things that seem mundane and routine through the lens of this call to go and make disciples, it should change the way that we see those things. Right, I, I came across an article uh, this week in preparing for this, and uh, maybe some of you are f- familiar with this. This was written some time ago, but it, it's talking about uh, the SpaceX program and, and Elon Musk. It, take him or leave him. I, I don't you know, know what your thoughts are on him, but... Um, I, I will say that one of the things that he kind of developed in that, that organization was this idea of um, mission to, to metrics. And, and that is one, um, for everyone that works as a part of this, uh, this, this program and, and works for SpaceX, um, can, can they clearly define uh, the mission or the purpose, right, that they, they have and, and what their role is uh, in that? What is, what is it that SpaceX is trying to accomplish? Um, and then... Uh, also, the, the strategy, like how, how we accomplish that, and then the metrics, how do we measure that, right? And, and we find ourselves, you know, it, it's easy to get swept into, like, you know, maybe you've been a part of an organization, or, or you, you've worked somewhere, or you've been a part of something where you feel like, man, that's a compelling vision. Like, that is something I feel like I could give my time and, and energy to, right? And, and I just want to Encourage us to consider that there's no more compelling mission that we can give our, our time and our energy and our efforts to than this mission, to go and make disciples. And if we really believed that that, if we just lay that truth and that call over everything about our lives, then it changes the way that we understand the purpose for the life that we are living. Because if you consider the scope, the span of eternity... Right, from, from the, the garden in the beginning to, to the city in the end. Right, Tim Keller kind of coined this phrase. It began in a garden, it's going to end in a city. I read that last week. Ro- you know, Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, a city prepared for God. A place where God will dwell with his people forever. So if you consider that, that span of eternity that, that reaches in, infinitely in each direction then our lives are a moment. It's a blink, and then it's gone. And, and the question that we have to wrestle with is, does your life, does my life, do our lives have eternal implications? Is there an eternal quality to the way that we are living our lives and the way that we view this world and our role in it? Or are we just living for the moment? Is it just temporary pleasure, temporary excitement? And, and in that, have we lost sight of, of the mission um, and, and for us, the metrics, are we able to measure our lives and, and the, the degree to which we are faithfully living into this call? I want you to um, I want to read just an excerpt from this article. The author says, one of the best examples of mission to metrics alignment comes from a friend who visited the manufacturing floor at SpaceX. Seeing a SpaceX employee assembling a large part, he stopped him and asked, what is your job at SpaceX? He answered, 
The mission of SpaceX is to colonize Mars. In order to colonize Mars, we need to build reusable rockets because it will otherwise be unaffordable for humans to travel to Mars and back. My job is to help design the steering system that enables our rockets to land back on Earth. You'll know if I've exceeded if our rockets land on our platform in the Atlantic Ocean after launch. He goes on to say, the employee could have simply said he was building a steering system for landing rockets. Instead, he recited the company's entire mission to metrics framework. If someone asks you, what, what do you do in your life? Because that's one of our favorite questions to ask people, right, when we meet them. What do you do? And, and th- that's a whole other discussion. I think we could ask better questions. What excites you? What are you passionate about? What are your thoughts on the Carolina-Duke rivalry? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> instead, we like to ask people what they do. What if we began to answer that question? If somebody asks you the next time, what do you do? Let me tell you. I am an ambassador for the gospel. I've, I've been entrusted with this story of, of God who loved humanity so much that he sent his son to live and show us what it looks like to live in a way that is, that is faithful and that is God's best for us. Uh, and, and then because we can't do it um, on our own, because we fall short and, and we sin and we step outside of God's best for us, he, he died a sacrificial death so that our sins might be forgiven. But he didn't stay dead. He rose to life. He was resurrected, walked out of the tomb on the third day and has invited me into life with him. Oh, and I'm also a teacher. Like that's what I do, you know, kind of day in and day out. But everything that I do, I see through this lens of the gospel. What if you begin to answer questions that way when people ask you what you do? Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, right. Like, I, I don't, I, like I'm afraid of what people might think of me. Certainly a risk that you run. But it does challenge us. Do you understand the mission to which you have been called as a follower of Jesus? And are you willing to try to measure the effectiveness of that mission by your willingness to have conversations about the one who called you? And are you willing to meet people where they are, understanding that at one point you were also in that place? The call to go and make disciples, because I think we can look back over the series and, and see that the, the importance of worship and the disciples, you know, they gathered on the mountain and they worshiped Jesus. And then many of us here the next week where we talk about doubt and the fact that worship and doubt can coexist, they can exist in the same place. And then when Jesus met the doubters, the doubting disciples, he didn't separate them from the ones who were just all in on worshiping him. No, he spoke to all of them. Right? And, and so we hear that, and there's some comfort in that. And then, and then you know, Jesus responds to their doubt by offering them the fullness of who he is. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're like, yeah, I, I can see where not allowing Jesus to be the authority in my life, where that gets me into trouble. And I can see the ways that he's been faithful to continue to call me back and remind me and show me grace. And, and then we look at Matthew 7, and we consider... You know, what is the measure of disciple? We look at the fruit that's being born. Does the fruit that's coming from your life, because we're all bearing fruit that's reflective of something. Is the fruit that's being born through your life reflective of your, your hope, your belief, your trust, your love for Jesus? Or is it reflective of something else that you're pursuing, something else that you're chasing? 
And then, and then we considered, like, what does it mean to be a hearer and a doer of the word? And so, you know, these things were kind of our journey over the past 10 weeks. And I think that we can hear those things. And then last week, the just really comforting and maybe sometimes a little bit unnerving, but the beautiful promise that Jesus makes, I'm with you always. We read in the message, day after day after day after day. What a beautiful promise. And I think that we can hear those things and be comforted by them and be challenged by them. And we intentionally did this this way. We intentionally kind of saved this final Sunday for your commissioning. Okay, now that we've spent some time picking this apart, diving a little bit deeper, looking under the hood, kicking the tires of this passage, what does this really mean for us? Now you hear the call to you to go and make disciples. Now it begins to, we're not sure what to do with that. Because depending on what your experience is or depending on, on what you see, what you're viewing in the world, that, that has so many different connotations and there's so many different ways that we see that played out, right? Is making disciples showing up on campus with a bullhorn or standing on a street corner with a, you know, a sandwich board and um, you know, a picket sign is, is making uh, disciples just trying to get people to make a decision for Jesus. Is it, you know, another notch in the belt? Like, how many people have you saved? I've saved no one. Jesus does that. It's not me. It's not you. It's not any of us. And, and yet, depending on your background, you're conditioned to think that that's what, like, that's the mark of faithfulness. And, and so we tend to not know what to do with this call to go and make disciples. But... I just, maybe to help us understand that however you live this out, whether it is having gospel conversations with people, whether it is stopping long enough to ask the person who's bagging your groceries or ringing them up at the, at the grocery store or the person who's making your coffee to ask them how they're doing and then to really listen because sometimes they'll tell you, yeah, or, you know, They'll say, I'm not doing great, or they'll say something like, uh, fine. And so you, maybe you're willing to press a little bit deeper, say, hey, what's going on? And maybe they tell you, you know, about what's happening in their life or in their family. And, and maybe you say, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you real quick? Rather than saying, hey, I will be praying for you, just say in that moment, would you mind if I prayed for you? Maybe it's taken time to, to listen, just listen to someone. Maybe it is taking time to pray with someone to open scripture with them. Maybe it's, you know, entering um, a, a Bible study or a community group and being a part of not only growing yourself, but being a part of the journeys of other people as they seek to grow in relationship with Jesus. And that when we answer this call to go and make disciples, what you are doing is really just playing a part. You're just playing a part in someone else's journey. Paul gives us kind of a picture of, of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 3 beginning with verse 1. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready, uh, you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, 
as the Lord has assigned each to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And we have this tendency, and I, th- I mean rightly so, to elevate Paul, and in, in like he is, he's kind of the, like the epitome of what it looks like to be an evangelist, to be a faithful disciple of Jesus. His was a life completely turned around for the sake of the gospel. I mean, Jesus came in and just, just wrecked shop, right, in Paul's life, and then set him loose for the sake of the gospel. And Paul did it with great passion and fervor. And so we tend to elevate Paul and think, man, he, that's the mark. And because I can't even come close, like, who am I? I don't have a role to play in this story. What, what if I don't have the answers that Paul has? Because in Philippians 3, Paul gives this, like, this background, this, his kind of resume of learning and upbringing. We're like, I don't have that. What if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to? And so we immediately disqualify ourselves. But as great as Paul has been for the kingdom, Paul says, hey, it's not me. I'm just playing one part. I just planted the seed. Apollos, who came in and did some other work, he made it. He watered it. God is the one who makes it grow. And look at in Paul's letters, the number of people that he says, hey, be sure that you give my love to this person or to this person or to this person. These people who are a part of that community of faith, that church, because Paul's not there with, with them all of the time. He just knows that his role was in planting the church or in writing a letter of encouragement to the church or in helping them work out some things that they need to deal with. He knows that there are other people who are playing a role in the work to make disciples of discipling the people who are there. Your role, your willingness to answer the call to make disciple is merely a willingness to play a role in someone's life in their journey with Jesus. Maybe you get to see the fruit from it. Maybe God in his goodness allows you a glimpse of your willingness to be utilized, your willingness to be faithful. Maybe he allows you to see that life transformed, but maybe not. Maybe he just wants you to trust him enough to be willing to share your own story and your understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done in your life and to be able to say, hey, I, 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 I was in that brokenness too. Let me tell you what's happened to me. Or maybe it's just a willingness to live, whatever it is, to know and trust that God is at work in ways that we can't always see and that he is faithful to bring fruit if we are willing to be faithful to answer that call to go and make disciples. The imperative there in that going and make disciples, the imperative is, the disi- is disciple making. But, but going is also a part of it, right? If we only see the go as being imperative, it allows us to view uh, that answer, uh, our answering the call as merely programmatic. Like I can go and be a part of a mission trip for a week and then come home and live my life, or I can go and and, and serve at the church and then come home and live my life and it's compartmentalized. One thing doesn't touch the other. But the imperative is the making of disciples. The going is just the vehicle through which God does that through us. Right, so my, my own just journey, just a snapshot to see the ways that God used different people to bring me to the place that I am and guess what, I'm not there yet. Right? right. Yeah. My wife will be the first to tell you I'm not there yet. When I was younger, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, my, my parents began the, that long, ugly journey of, of separating and then divorce, and it was incredibly difficult. There's still things about it that are hard. 
And I didn't realize it at the time, but the one constant in my life, the one thing that wasn't just like turned upside down by this was the church. It was the one thing that we still did week in and week out. And I, did, I didn't appreciate that at the time, but even when I was in my, one of my seminary courses and, and we were invited to kind of think back over our lives and write our, our spiritual autobiography or our autobiography of, dis, of being a follower of Jesus, that, that kind of surfaced for me. And, and I realized that, man, there were people who they didn't even know it, who, who, were, sh- who were, were creating a space for me that was like, this thing is unchanged. When everything else has kind of fallen apart, the church was the constant. And, and so God used that to lay a foundation. And then I get into high school, and, and I, I am, I'm still in church every Sunday in my youth group, but I go to, to uh, Young Life. It's an outreach ministry for high school students. And I heard the gospel explained in a way that I, it just made sense to me for the first time. And, and, these, and, I, and I've shared this with you, but these, these leaders who like, talked about the incarnational, the presence of God in the person of Jesus, and then they showed up on my high school campus. They were at my soccer games. They were at the football games where I showed up after having been out drinking with my friends, and I knew that they knew. I, like, I knew that they knew, and yet their love, they never wavered in their love for me. And so all of a sudden now the gospel becomes real to me and I say yes to life with Jesus. And some of those people I still have contact with, but some I, I don't. They were just there in that moment at the right time being faithful to answer that call to go and make disciples and to do it through the vehicle of young life. And then as I got into college and was wrestling with like my identity and kind of living with a foot planted in two worlds. I love you, Jesus, but I also really liked partying at the time. And like that first year, I tell people I crammed four into five because my first year didn't count. So I had to do another four years, you know, and, and like try to do it in, in a way that was more pleasing to the Lord. I didn't do that perfectly, but I was so fortunate to, to attend a church in college uh, where I, I got to be discipled by the pastor. And then he showed me what it looked like to live this out in a way that was compelling and inviting and in a way that just, like I just watched him relate to people and I watched him share Jesus with people in in a way that I just thought I've never seen that before. Again, a part of my journey in understanding what it means and what it looks like to be a disciple. So in answering the call to go and make disciples, that's between you and the Lord in terms of what that looks like and how that plays out. Maybe it is just going up to someone and telling them about Jesus. But maybe it's more like paying attention to who's around you, who you're rubbing shoulders with on a daily basis, who God is allowing your path to cross with and beginning to see them with the eyes of Jesus and beginning to hear them with the ears of Jesus and beginning to allow your heartbeat for them the way that Jesus' heart beats for them and just being willing to be present. Matthew began his gospel in Matthew one twenty three by quoting from Isaiah. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. At the end of Matthew's gospel, he is telling his disciples to go to where people are. All authority has been given to him and out of that authority, he is commissioning them to go to where people are to carry with them his presence, the reality of who he is, an incarnational presence, God with us. This has been the arc of Matthew's gospel from beginning to end. 
this kingdom that has come to bear on this world. And we who are invited to be citizens of it are called to live in such a way that we are a reflection of Jesus for the people around us. That in that, God uses us to make disciples, to make learners of the way of life, to make followers of the way of Jesus. Not because we do it, but because through us, the Holy Spirit is able to accomplish it. I'm going to close with this quote from uh, David Platt. This is from his book, uh, Radical. He says, making disciples is not an easy process. It is trying. It is messy. It is slow, tedious, even painful at times. It is all these things because it is relational. It is all these things because it is relational. Jesus has not given us an effortless step-by-step formula for impacting nations for his glory. He has given us people, and he has said, live for them, love them, serve them, and lead them. Lead them to follow me, and lead them to lead others to follow me. In the process, you will multiply the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's not cut and dry. It's not plug and play. It is messy because it is relational. And I would go on to say it is beautiful because it is relational. Even in the mess, the willingness to walk with people who are broken and hurting, the willingness to pause long enough to be a presence, a non-anxious presence in the lives of people around you, the willingness to do that In doing so, you become a reflection of who Jesus is and you show them a different way of living. Friends, the invitation to go and make disciples is an invitation to a life unlike any you could ever imagine for yourself. And my hope and my prayer is that you are willing to go forth from this place asking, Jesus, how would you have me do this? What are ways that I can do this? And we want to help you in that, actually. In just a moment, I'm going to invite uh, Danae to come up and and help me uh, with this. And each of you is going to receive a commissioning card, right? And when we started this series, Ed talked about his commissioning uh, papers uh, that he received as a a member of the Air Force. This is a a card in which you are are on the front. It's these words, Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so maybe your heart is stirred and you're like, Yes, I want to do that. What does that look like? On the back, we've given you 10 ways to consider that maybe here's an easy first step for you. Choose one or two neighbors or coworkers who don't know Jesus and pray for them by name every day. By name, every day you lift these people up in prayer. Invite one person to church in the coming year. Take a neighbor out to lunch, simply get to know them. Build relationships with other regular patrons or staff at your favorite coffee shop or restaurant. Join an upcoming discipleship and evangelism study that will start after the first of the year after we get through Advent. I mean, there are 10 ways that you can take a first step in living into this call. 
stick this in your Bible, take a screenshot of it, put, I mean, take a picture of it and make that your lock screen. So every time you pick up your phone, that's what you see. No, Jesus is merely inviting and asking you to be a part of someone's journey. I'm going to close with these words. I know I said I was going to close with a quote. I'm not, I didn't lie to you. Hear these words from the message version from Matthew chapter 10. Then Jesus, this is actually Matthew 9 and into 10. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the ripe fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for bruised and hurt lives. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers and don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confuse people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. How has Jesus treated you generously that you may go and live generously? As our worship team plays, I want to invite Danae to come up. You can come as the Lord leads you hear these words. Be a disciple who makes disciples. Be willing to follow where Jesus leads. Let's pray. Gracious God, pray that you would give us hearts that beat in tune with yours. That we would see this world through the eyes of Jesus that you would give us a willingness to hear this call and to answer because as we consider our own lives and our own journeys, there have been people along the way who have answered the call to go and make disciples and we are here as a result of that. I pray that you would burden our hearts for those around us who need to hear the good news of the gospel. I pray that you would show us specifically, each of us, how we can live faithfully into this call. Jesus, that we may be a church truly who lives as disciples, who make disciples for the transformation of hearts, the kingdom, this church, and the world. It's in your name, by the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. Come as the Lord leads you.